0: The unofficial Bengals podcast.
1: Welcome to the unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host Frank LaPlaca and I'm a Bengals fan for life. All right this episode is going to be a preview of the Bengals Dolphins game for this Sunday. We're going to welcome Ian Big E from Dolphins.com. Tom McLeavy is going to stop by for another McLeavy minute and Sands is going to come by with his expert football analysis as well.
2: The unofficial Bengals podcast is brought to you by the Zedia Network. Week 13 preview Cincinnati Bengals at Miami Dolphins.
1: First play of the game. We have Higgins set all the way to the left, the opposite side from Xavier and Howard. We have Boyd in the slot. On the right side, we have Sample lined up as a tight end and Green offset all the way wide out to the right. Geo in the backfield. Boyd goes in motion from left to the right side, so now that right side's a little bit flooded. And what we do, just a simple screen pass to Higgins at the line of scrimmage. Boom, hit him. Let's see how many yards he can get on that other corner. Here we go, Dolphins. You're not going to know what to expect out of us this game. Next play, we attack the middle of their defensive line. Yeah, they're good on the outside. Inside, not as much. Just a nice solid run. Geo up the middle. Boom. First play gets us maybe five, six yards. Hopefully a first down right there with Geo. And if not, here's my idea for third down. Similar formation to first down, only we don't send Boyd in motion. We'll just have him over to the right. So now there's three guys on the right, Higgins by himself to the left. Ball snapped. We fake the pass to Higgins to fake the screen. Draw play to Bernard. And at the same time, you have Sample going up and attacking that middle linebacker. Here you go, wide open. Geo up the middle, 15 yards. Hello, Dolphins. Alright, so on to some headlines for this week. Joe Burrow, successful surgery out there in Los Angeles. For us, it's good news. Got the surgery, on the trail to recovery, everything's going to be good. For Joe, it's a tough road right now. It's going to be very painful, it's going to be very frustrating, there's going to be a lot of rehab that no one sees, a lot of tireless hours of getting yourself back to normal. Our special teams is ranked 6th in the league after a great week last week and pretty much a great season. Props to Darren Simmons, the coach of the year for the Bengals to this point. You know, he's the assistant head coach. He's coaching the special teams, and they're a really solid unit with a lot of young players that are playing really hard for him and a lot of veterans that are playing really hard. So he's, he's good with scheming, and he's also a good motivator, and he's also a good teacher. And it's showing because our special teams is a top 10 unit in the league and climbing. And I told you guys, we're on record pace with these fourth downs. I finally saw the numbers. We have five more fourth downs to convert, and then we would tie the all-time record. So it looks like that's going to be in the cards for us, especially when you're a team that might not be going to the playoffs, as we all know. You take those chances on fourth downs. So that record's going to be right in our back pocket. And that's a credit to the play calling, and that's a credit to the guys that are performing under that situation because there's more pressure when you try to convert a fourth down than almost anything offensively. We activated Xavier Suafilo. Coach Taylor is not really giving away who's going to be starting this week, but I, I would like to see Suafilo starting in place of the injured Redman and Spain at the other guard. And as I was saying about the Dolphins, they're not that strong on the interior. They have great pass rushers on the outside, a little more vulnerable inside. So if we get those guards really rolling downhill, we can have a very good game up the middle of the field. They don't have that strong of a linebacking core either. So let's get Suofilo going, let's get Spain going, Hopkins making the right calls, and let's do some damage right up the gut. Darius Phillips is designated for return this week. Now that doesn't mean he's going to be playing, but it means that he's going to start practicing with the team. So that's good. You know, let's get him back in action, you know, get him ramped up and let him play the last few games, get some more experience at corner, because we're going to need him as a number three, number four corner next year. And the more experience that he gets this year, the better. And we signed Dan Godsell, who's been on the roster a couple times, just as an insurance policy for Clark Harris. Clark Harris, Mr. Decade with no bad snaps. As I said on social media, if everyone did their job like Clark Harris has, we would have a dynasty right now. We would have won multiple Super Bowls. You know, if you can go 10 years without making a mistake, how many of us do that in our own lives, in our own jobs, in our own relationships, in our own athletic or competitive things or anything that you do? A decade of no mistakes— so he's someone to learn from, someone to admire, and yeah, he's a New Jersey guy, lives down the shore. So I got a soft spot for him. But he's a cool person, and he's playing his tail off. And he's an example of how to do your job properly. Auden Tate went on IR shoulder surgery, and that's that's not fun. Obviously, that's going to be a season ender for him. But he's going to be back next year, and you know, with Burrow back in action at some point next year, Tate is going to continue to be productive. You know, it's unfortunate that he's going to go through that pain and that surgery, but he'll be okay in the long term. I'm feeling for you, Auden. I hope everything goes well and look forward to having you back next year. And I'm feeling for you on the struggle that you're going to be going through over the next couple months. And Mike Thomas continues to nurse that hamstring. I don't know if he's going to be playing this week. So we're going to be low on wide receivers. You know, we're only going to have four or five healthy receivers, and I'm assuming that they're going to bring up Stanley Morgan now that he's off the COVID list. And if not Morgan, I would definitely take another guy off the practice squad and get him some snaps because, again, that'll only help for the future. And Brandon Wilson nursing that hamstring, it figures. You know, when you hit 21 miles an hour on a kick return, the body has a possibility of feeling that the next day. I think he's going to be all right. These guys bounce back from hamstrings pretty well. So I'm hoping that he's back there on the opening kickoff and does some more damage again. All right, so offensively, what are my concerns for this game? I would say the main thing are going to be sacks because they kill you in field position and turnovers, because the Dolphins seem to get a lot. They have some forced fumbles. You got that new guy, Van Ginkle. He's got a bunch of forced fumbles. Van Noy gets his share. Xavier Howard with seven interceptions. So we're really going to have to take care of the ball offensively. And that goes for any game, I know. But when you have a team that really lives off turnovers, you know, that's going to be trouble. We have to really be extra careful, extra conscientious when we have the ball. As Marvin Lewis said years ago, when you carry the ball you're carrying the whole organization with you. So I hope the guys on the roster this year take that in their heads, and when the ball's in their hands, they protect it like no other. And that Dolphins defense, they're second in defensive scoring, meaning that they've only let up the second most amount of points in the NFL, behind the Steelers. So when you have a defense that's that highly rated as far as not giving up points, they're going to be trouble to score against. Then you have Emmanuel Ogba with eight sacks. And a bunch of those guys have multiple sacks. Again, going back to Van Noy and Van Ginkle, um, Shaq Lawson, uh, Raquan Davis is playing really well too. So they're going to give you a lot of trouble on that front seven, or really mostly on the defensive line and, and the edge rushers. All right, when we're on defense, what are my concerns? Well, you have Devontae Parker, who's a little bit of a Bengal killer. He's got four touchdowns on the year. He's not lighting it up in that regard, like 600 some odd yards, but he's always been trouble for us. And, you know, they're going to try to get him on LaShawn Sims and, you know, try to do their damage that way. So that might be a guy that we're going to have to double-team this game. Then you have that two-headed monster at tight end, Mike Gasicki and Adam Sheehan. Now, Gasicki's another Jersey guy. He went to the same school as Clark Harris. It's a school called Southern. They're located in, like, one of the southernmost parts of New Jersey, in the most beautiful town in New Jersey, which is LBI, Long Beach Island. But if you're playing fantasy, Gasicki might be the guy to go with this week because I foresee him scoring at least a touchdown on us. And I hate to ever predict anything negative against the Bengals, but this guy is good in the red zone. You know, he's another fast tight end that we're going to have matchup problems with, just like Engram last week. And then you have the Fitzpatrick factor. I'm assuming that he's going to play over Tua. I haven't heard either. And Flores is smart. He's not letting us know who's going to play. I'm just leaning towards Fitzpatrick because he's a little bit healthier. And he's got a 93 passer rating this season. And he's a veteran. You know, those veterans know how to hit the tight ends. And these guys have good tight ends. Knows how to manage a game. You know, we can get him for, hopefully, an interception or two. But you have to watch out. And I'm not comparing him to Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes by any stretch. But he's a veteran quarterback. And if the defense does its job, they don't turn the ball over. They get good production out of their backs. You know, Fitzpatrick can definitely engineer a win, as he has several times this season. All right, how would I approach this game? What would I do if I was the coaching staff of the Cincinnati Bengals? Well, offensively, I would attack that linebacking core. And that's been a recurring theme over the last few weeks. We played a few teams that don't have that great of linebackers. So we know how you attack linebackers... You throw to your tight ends, you get your slot receiver involved, you know, you have some draws and screens and running back passes, all those types of things, and that's going to apply this game as well. We really should be going after the linebackers because they have a strong secondary and they have a great defensive line. So they're great up front, great in the back. What do you do? You attack the middle. And then Tyler Boyd, as usual, another recurring theme, get the ball to Boyd, especially this week with Nick Needham covering him. That's a big matchup advantage for us. So let's try to get Boyd seven receptions and exploit that matchup, and that's probably one of the keys to winning this game. And a disciplined offensive line. Yes, every game be disciplined, of course. But when you're playing a team that is second in defensive scoring, you can't put yourself behind the eight ball and start at a first and 15 because of a pre-snap movement or an illegal motion or some kind of formation error. So, you know, I can forgive a holding call here and there if you're protecting your quarterback or... You know, if you're just doing battle with someone, you get locked up. I mean, that happens. But the other stuff, the procedural stuff, can't have it this game because that's going to be our ticket to losing if we start at 1st and 15 and, you know, go into 2nd and long and then 3rd and long. You know the story how it goes. And time of possession. It's got to be one of those games where you grind it out. Again, another ugly game. Without Joe Burrow flying high and, and hitting everybody all over the field, we're going to have to win a little more on the ugly side. You know, get those runs up the middle, a good run-pass mix, keep the ball out of Fitzpatrick's hands. You know, those are the secrets to winning a game like this as well. All right, on to defense. What do we do defensively in this game? We attack that offensive line. You know, they have a reputation for having a decent offensive line. Austin Jackson, not highly rated at left tackle. Eric Flowers has had his struggles in his career... You know, there's some vulnerability there. I know they've played well enough to win seven games and be a successful team, but that might be the secret. Try to confuse this offensive line. Again, with your stunts, sending multiple blitzers. Uh, I would say use Von Bell Bell on some blitzes too, coming off the edge on that left side. You know, let's get Geno Atkins going and just kind of clogging up flowers and just making that whole side a mess where they can't really run the ball that way. You make them a little more one-dimensional. You know, things like that are going to be the key. There are some vulnerabilities on that offensive line, and we have to be smart enough to exploit them and go right after them. And then the main problems, as we know, are going to be Parker and Gesicki. So I would say, you know, make sure Bates is is there on Parker as well when Sims is matched up one-on-one. Let's not get reckless with that. I don't want this to be a Devontae Parker 120-yard game with two touchdowns. I mean, that would be a recipe for a loss. And then the Gasicki factor. You know, I even asked Sands, my football expert, what do, you, what do we do against these tight ends? And, you know, he, he had the same solution that we're, we're thinking. You know, you throw a faster safety on him. It's not Von Bell's forte. He's having a great year, and he has his strengths, but it's not covering fast tight ends. So I'd like to see Mackenzie Alexander get locked up on Gasicki, even though it's a size disadvantage. At least he's going to be in the ballpark. Gasicki's not going to be running free. You know, Brandon Wilson, if healthy, let's try to see if he can get some few snaps in there against Kasiki and maybe rotate those guys, confuse things up a little bit. You know, when Logan Wilson's in there, let's have him be a little more physical with him. Logan Wilson's fast, but Gasicki's faster. You know, like I said, I'm really worried about this guy. So let's use an intelligent formula, maybe do it by committee so they never know who's going to be on him from play to play. But it just can't be our strong safety one-on-one with this guy because, again, that's going to hurt us. All right, so what are my predictions for this game? For you betting folk, I would say bet the under on this one. It's going to be a low-scoring game. The Dolphins aren't a high-flying offense, and they don't let up a lot of points, and we're with a backup quarterback, so it's going to be tough for us to score 20, 30 points this game, unfortunately. So I'm predicting a low-scoring game. What do we do? The Bengals listen to what I say, and we grind it out with time of possession. Special teams come up big and win the field position battle. We kick a bunch of field goals. We're able to limit Parker because Bates gets involved. The formula for Gasicki works. You know, we give up a touchdown, a couple field goals. We score a touchdown and a few more field goals. I'm kind of out of the mode of making score predictions, but for the fun of it, I'm going to say Bengals 16-13. 3-8-1. and one, one step further from getting Pene Sewell, but one step happier for us Bengal fans because we have something to root for and we got to win this week.
2: Unofficial Bengals podcast is proud to welcome Ian, Big E, from DolphinsTalk.com.
1: All right, I'm proud to welcome in Ian, also known as Big E, and he's a podcaster for DolphinsTalk.com. Ian, how are you today?
2: I am doing great, Frank, and I really appreciate you inviting me to your podcast this morning. Really
1: glad to be here. Oh, it's great having you on, and we had a little bit of a pre-talk, and we talked a little bit about everything, and I had a good time doing that, too, so... I guess now it's official, and here we go. So my main question is, why are the Dolphins going to beat the Bengals on Sunday?
2: You know, I, I always, I, I've always become a little hesitant with trying to say, you know, Dolphins are going to win or not, but I'll give you kind of the case, uh, and I'll tell you the reason why I, I go off and, and try to hesitate that, because I said the Dolphins were going to beat the Broncos a couple of weeks ago, and I said they were going to beat them by double digits, and then we all saw what happened. So any given Sunday, anything happens. But I'll tell you, couple of the main I guess main strengths of the Dolphins that we have seen so far this year and and I'm first going to start off with the the defense you know when you look at the Miami Dolphins defense the great thing about this year versus prior years with the Miami Dolphins is that they don't have just one player that you can look at and say he's the guy he's the guy that's going to make a difference in the game instead you know it's really a team effort yeah we have a couple of team leaders right now such as Xavier Howard, you know, he's got seven interceptions. He's leading the league right now in interceptions, and that's a career high for him. You know, he, he's actually matching a career high, excuse me. The other person is Emmanuel Ogba. He leads the team with eight sacks, you know, and we have not had a sack leader like that since probably in a couple of years since we've had Cameron Wake on the team, you know. But the other thing is you hear names like Kyle Van Noy, Nick Needham, Zach Seeler, Christian Wilkins, Andrew Van Ginkle, Raekwon Davis, and, and our leader in team tackles, which is Jerome Baker, every game it feels like we have somebody else who's stepping up to do something something good or making a big play. And I'll tell you, that has that's really what has helped the Miami Dolphins win, what is it, five of the last six games? No, six of the last seven games, I believe. I'm sorry. And then when you look at some overall stats, yeah, the Dolphins' defense has given up some some yards, per game they're ranked 20th in yards allowed per game right now but it's not about the yards it's about the points that are put on against the Dolphins and the Dolphins right now rank second in the league in points allowed per game and they're averaging about 18.6 points per game now of course playing against the New York Jets you know, three points allowed in two games against the New York Jets, that will help anybody's statistics. But still, you know, we see different production from different players, which I think is extremely, extremely helpful. Um, On the offensive side, you know, it's interesting because we are, we're dealing with the quarterback changes with Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tungabailoa, and they haven't had to do too much, you know, and I know we may talk a little bit more about Tua later on, but he hasn't had to have, that signature game yet he had a great game against the arizona cardinals which the dolphins won fitzpatrick has had some very nice games against like the san francisco 49ers a couple weeks ago so you know but it's really been the defense that has carried us and the the special teams has helped us as well you can't go without talking about the special teams uh you know jason sanders who is our kicker right now he is one of the most accurate kickers in the National Football League. This past weekend, he had two field goals over 50 yards against the New York Jets. So, you know, when you're looking at overall, when the Dolphins are winning, and when we were winning that during that five-game win streak, they were winning because every, every unit was performing at a good level, at a high level. And it's not because one player did more than another player. It was because everybody was chipping in. When I look at the Dolphins this year compared to last season, you know, and everybody was saying that the Dolphins were tanking, but I actually I I disagree with that and say that they were rebuilding, which I guess we can people could argue with or argue about. You know, last year you didn't get a lot of pressure up front on the defensive side, which put a lot of pressure on the backfield for the Miami Dolphins defense. And this year, as we mentioned, you know, you've got one player who already has eight sacks, and you've got other players who are one and two sacks. You know, and and when you start getting that pressure up front, you will start seeing the backfield play better. You'll start seeing more interceptions, and you'll see a lot of quarterbacks doing things that they don't like to do on the opposing side. So, I think overall, you know, again, I think the Dolphins have, I think they're in a better place right now than the Bengals are. You know, when you look at the Bengals and you see how injured they are, and, and I actually am going to pause right now and talk a moment about Joe Burrow because I think, you know, when 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 I talk to Miami Dolphins fans, you know, they they talk about. they they would have loved to have seen Tua versus Joe Burrow. And I think when Burrow went down with that injury, you know, I myself, and I know a lot of other Miami Dolphins fans were sad, you know, and and we are rooting for a quick recovery for for Joe because not only is he a great talent, but also it makes the NFL a better place when you have, you know, a lot of quarterbacks that are competing and that are making the game more special. So, you know, definitely prayers for for Joe for a quick recovery. I did see some news recently that that he was going to or has had the surgery to uh to help him get started on the rehab side. So we're hoping for a quick and easy rehab. But you know, back to the game this weekend. I I do anticipate a Miami Dolphins win. Again, just we're healthier than the Bengals right now. Um I think our coach Flores is one of the if not the best coach in the league at the moment from where he started last year to where he is today and I think you know, you look at some teams like uh, the Chargers this past weekend, where coaching decisions were really being questioned, and some other teams around the league where you got some questions about coaching. You look at New York right now, where in the situation they are with uh, the old Adam Gase, which we were very, very familiar with. I mean, it is truly a breath of fresh air to see uh, somebody like Brian Flores who. Uh, who really has his head on right and is making the right decision. And he's really bringing out the best in many players, which I think is so, so important. So I think that's all I have for, for, for this game. I mean, we, we could talk about specific offensive players too, but I think probably just, that'll be going too much into the weeds, but I'm, I'm excited, uh, excited to see this weekend. And, you know, we don't take anything for granted anymore. I think after that Denver Broncos game, I'm not going to say it's a foreshore win, but I think based on looking at statistics and looking at everything overall, I think that uh, there's a good chance that the Miami Dolphins
1: will win. Yeah, Ian, I hear what you're saying on that, especially Howard with all those interceptions. I think our new quarterback is prone to making a mistake or two per game. I wanted to thank you for the comments on Joe Burrow. Very much appreciated. And, you know, I have nothing against the offense fans. You're you're a good bunch. You know, it's um, a pretty humble and cool crowd. So I'm behind you guys 100%. I never root against you. Um, one thing I wanted to go back into, which reminded me when you were talking, we had, I would say, one of the most pivotal games in Cincinnati Bengals history last year against you guys, and that was basically the game that enabled us to get Joe Burrow, where we ha- you guys were winning, and we had all those points scored in like the last minute or two, and then it went into overtime. Eventually, you guys came on top. But it was a pretty crazy game because there's been so many games in Bengals history where I wish they would do something like that. You know, when we're down by a couple scores and you get the onsides kick and the two-pointer and all that stuff. But believe it or not, that was one of the only games I was ever rooting for us to lose.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, and I was there and, and I, had, I had front row seats. And I don't remember how I got the front row seats, but I got front row seats with my daughter. And the funny thing that you mentioned that is that As that game progressed, you know, and we had a really big lead going into that fourth quarter, if I remember correctly, and then, you know, Bengals came back and went into overtime, but the guy sitting next to me, the guy sitting next to me, which was a huge Miami Dolphins fan, he was rooting for the Dolphins to lose. Because at that time, remember, it was the hot topic was tank for Tua. Everybody wanted Tua at the time. So it's funny that the Bengals fans were hoping the Bengals would lose so you can get Burrow. And the Dolphins fans were, were hoping that the Dolphins would lose so that we get Tua. And then as it turns out, we all got what we wanted anyway, which was great. Which was great for everybody.
1: Oh, that that is crazy. And that's that. I was going to ask you that, but I guess you already answered it. You guys were definitely going for Tua regardless of whether you got the first pick, second pick, third pick. Like that was going to be your choice?
2: So... I am probably, I'm uh, not probably. I was in the minority when it came to the decision making for Tua, and and you know, for me, I said between Burrow, Tua, and uh, Herbert, you know, I I was leaning towards Justin Herbert myself, and and I had written up a whole article about that. I thought it was going to be a gamble because of Tua's injury, and you know, it kind of made the case of all these players that have had. a similar type hip injury as Tua had and how they have gone and re-injured themselves and never really been able to be true long-term players in the NFL Um, but with that being said too I said if Tua ends up getting selected by the Dolphins I would be his number one fan which ended up happening so you know but at the end of the day too and I think there's there I've seen people arguing this through social media that you know they're like which quarterback is the best which one is going to have the best career and you know I've just gotten to the point where I've said listen it looks like all three of these guys going to have great careers and actually so far you know Burrow when he's healthy and Herbert have had the need I guess you can say to perform with higher yards and more touchdowns and things like that where Tua hasn't quite had that need yet to have a 300 plus yard game even though i'm hoping that that happens against the chiefs because i think that's what we're going to need against kansas city chiefs in a couple weeks i i think the majority of dolphins fans were absolutely on the tank for Tua um train because they had been watching him for so many seasons and they saw you know what he did in the national championship game when he was with alabama so i was just saying hey whoever gives the dolphins the best opportunity to succeed in the next five to ten years that's who i want on the team you know and i would have loved burrow because i thought too that like he did early on for you guys you know he's a he's a changer he's a game changer he's he's somebody who can score points can can make things happen with his legs he can be accurate with his throw and that's all you want you want a quarterback who's going to be successful and you want a quarterback who's going to win and you're going to win in those fourth quarter games where you're down by five points and you need someone that's going to drive you down that down the field so even though now we have to and you know i've done a lot more I've watched the, they did a Tua documentary, you know, and the guy is just, he's an amazing human, you know, and he's a great leader. You know, even before he got on the field, he was, you know, even though Fitzpatrick had those first six games as quarterback, Tua was there learning, he was there congratulating everybody, he was really building that leadership. So now we just want to make sure that we continue to see that improve on the field which hopefully we'll be able to see this weekend if his thumb improves. Um, but definitely, if not this weekend, definitely by next weekend against the Chiefs.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then, I mean, you know, chances are you have the edge on us for this week, so that would put you guys at eight wins and in a good spot for the playoffs. And then you have the Chiefs and the Patriots, so it gets a little bit tougher after that. I wanted to fast forward. So let's let's imagine you guys are in the playoffs, and it's the first round. Who who you want starting? you want Fitzpatrick or Tua at this point?
2: I am of the belief that Tua is the person that should be starting. You know, he is he is the player of our future. You know, Fitzpatrick, this is the last year that he has on his contract, and he hasn't made any decisions about what's going to happen for him next year or the year after that. But what we do know is that Tua was drafted to be the quarterback of our future. I really want to see him succeed, and I want to see him fail as well, you know, because I think you're going to need – those games to say oh you know I made a mistake and I need to get better you know which is why a couple of weeks ago the Dolphins you know they, they took him out against the Broncos they took out Tua early on in the fourth quarter and put Fitzpatrick in and Fitzpatrick gave the spark and that was what the coach was hoping for but you almost want to see Tua stay in there because you want to see him go through the trials and tribulations of well I'm losing what do I need to do to get myself better or I lost And that's on me, and I know that I need to get better for the next game. Personally, and I think if you were to talk to the majority of Dolphins fans, you want to see Tua in that spot.
1: Yeah, you know what, I would feel the same way if I was in your boat, too, because that is the future, and he will gain just as much from a loss than a win, although obviously you guys would be hoping for a win. Um, I also want to – you – we're saying something about Brian Flores, and I agree with you. He's put together a very, very good team of not a lot of household name players. So when you see stuff like that happen, you realize that it's good coaching. And good coaching isn't just X's and O's, it's teaching. I see him as a good teacher as well. So I think he's doing a great job with that roster. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on his abilities?
2: You know, one thing that we have been missing with the Miami Dolphins since probably Coach Shula is the ability to coach players up and really find some guys that you can make them better. What we have found over the last fifteen years is that you find coaches that will draft players that have been successful with other schemes and with other teams, but they don't seem to have the same success with the Dolphins, even though we'll pay them a lot of money. But what we're finding and what I loved about about Coach Flores, you know, last year as an example, you know, we got rid of all of the top and expensive players last year Uh, we really clean house if you were older than 26 years old you were at risk of being cut or being traded which ended up happening and he found these diamonds in the rough and he found a way to put these guys in the best situation to be successful you know names like nick needham no one ever knew who nick needham was and last year also during preseason Nick Needham had a couple of horrible preseason games, and I remember saying, "There's no way this kid is going to make it onto the regular roster." But sure enough, he made it onto the regular roster, and by the end of the year, he was one of our top back end players. Because remember, too, Xavier Howard was out at the time; we didn't have Byron Jones at the time, so he was a starter and he was making a difference. So, you know, we're starting to see that again from him this year. And then another player, you know, and I know he's out on on injured reserve, reserve and we don't know when or if he's going to come back. But it's Preston Williams who's the, you know, who's our number two wide receiver. He was an undrafted free agent that the Dolphins signed last season. And again, you know, he started in showing improvement every single game that he had. And you could definitely see a difference when he's in there, when he's not in there. I love the fact that Coach Flores has figured out a way to really get the best out of his players. Um, And I'll tell you, that was most evident last year, our last game of the year against the new england patriots when the patriots are trying to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs and the miami dolphins went into new england and beat the patriots and that has a lot to do with what coach flores has done over his tenure and, th- and that's why too you know a lot of people sometimes question what the coach's decisions are but that's why i give him a lot of leeway because we've seen what he's been able to do so far going five and 11 last year with like you said players that are not household names and the fact that we are seven and four this year if you would have told any dolphins fan at the beginning of this year that we would be seven and four you probably only have a very very small percentage of fans that say yeah this is you know that sounds about right where we need to be a lot of fans were like no this is a rebuilding year this is the second year of a rebuilding year it's going to take until our third year to be a playoff team well Here we are in December talking about playoffs. We're not guaranteed to get in. No one's ever going to be guaranteed to get in. But just the fact that we're in the conversation, I think, makes a huge difference for for us. It makes a huge difference for me as well.
1: Great points. You know, I wish you guys luck the rest of the way. Ian, how do people find you on social media?
2: So I am on Twitter i'm at ian693 I-A-N, also known as big e on twitter and then weekly i put on so uh, i write and podcast for dolphins talk.com www.dolphinstalk.com and i also put on a weekly two-minute drill every wednesday night which just kind of recaps the prior week and the upcoming week in under two minutes so for people who don't have a a large attention span it actually helps them out a lot um, and then I do have a, a YouTube page it is under Big E but you have to search Big E Miami Dolphins or else you're going to find this really uh, really successful wrestler on um, Big E and that is nothing so <laughs> that's where you find me.
1: I love it man I could talk to you all day about football I mean this was a, a really excellent excellent conversation thank you for coming on my friend.
2: No I appreciate the uh, I appreciate the offer Frank and I wish the Bengals luck except for this weekend definitely want the Dolphins to win um but after that I wish you guys luck and I, again I want to close by saying uh, good luck and uh, and a lot of health and prayers to to Joe Burrow because I know you guys will be great next year when when he comes back AFC North standings
1: the Bengals current record is two wins eight losses and one tie Unfortunately, they've been mathematically eliminated from the AFC North Divisional title. We have Pittsburgh at 11-0, Cleveland at 8-3, and Baltimore at 6-5. and The Bengals are currently the 14th seed in the AFC. We're five games out of the wildcard chase with five games to play. And at this point, if the season ended, we would have the third pick in the draft.
0: X's and O's with Sands.
1: All right, we're here with Sands. Sands, how are you today?
3: I'm doing good. How are you doing?
1: All right, my friend. So what are your thoughts on the Giants game?
3: I, mean, I was a little bit surprised that we were in it for so long. I think the results for the defense ended up being good, but I don't know if the process was the best. And for the past few weeks, we've been trying to do these um, zone pressures, different variations of it. This week, we tried to... Um, more of a five-man pressure where I think the last couple weeks we were trying a four-man pressure and bringing one defensive back and dropping one defensive lineman and I'm not big on these for us I don't know if Lou Anarumo is able to uh, dictate the offensive line's pass blocking scheme the same way that like you saw with the Ravens Link Martindale was able to do that where he got us into the look he wanted us to get into and he got a free free rusher because of it and we're not getting any free rushers and we're bringing five so it's not really working out that well for us but because daniel jones got hurt and colt mccoy was in there and slayton dropped a big pass you know it ends up the results look okay i just don't know about the process and if it's going to work going forward and i also we looked like we played a lot of a lot more too high than we have earlier this year And we also played a different deep safety sometimes than Bates. To me, I would just keep Bates pretty much deep middle of the field 80 to 90% of the time. I wouldn't be running halves with him or anything because I think he's that talented to be able to um, play the deep middle of the field and take away so much. Because I think he's just that Earl Thomas type that where you sit him back in the center field and let him work, and he's going to be able to make stuff happen back there. When we cut it into a deep half, I mean, the quarterback can really just read the other half. For the offense, I think it's interesting throughout the entire year and last year, I think a lot of people bring up that Zach Taylor is basically, we're just running the Rams offense. and I mean, ever since like week eight of last year, that hasn't been true at all. The further we've gotten from week one of last year, that's lost validity. Sean McVay has run pretty much exclusively on like outside zone, a lot of under center outside zone type stuff. We were trying to get back into it again this year, and our outside zones were going for two yards per carry. I think at some point you just have to cut loose with that and move on to a different idea. While we're still zone running more than we're gap running, our gap runs have been more effective. And whether that's because people know we're more of a zone-blocking team than we are a gap team, I don't know. But I think we need to keep integrating more of that into there. So things like uh, an insert ISO. We've run Duo a few times. We used to run traps. We haven't run any traps lately. But really just those type of things. Really the insert ISO is one of my favorite plays. And I have that on my Instagram if you want to check out uh, us running that and the RPOs based off of it. But really, the Rams don't run any of that, and that was one of their problems back in the Super Bowl they were in is that they didn't have an answer for when they take away your zone blocking. Insert ISO is one of those answers for a team that likes zone running and wants to have a gap play just in case because, I mean, when they take something away, you have to have an answer. The other interesting thing to me is that we have only run a draw. Our best play of the game came off of a lead draw, also one of my favorites, is you get a guy in front of you and you're coming off the draw, usually into a wide-open hole, leading to the linebacker. That's money. That was like that 16-, 17-yard gain Geo had. We were in a split backfield from shotgun, and I think it was Sample just went right up like he was running a route, and Allen looks, and then he just hands it off. And, of course, they pass rush. We pass on, what, 60 65% of the time. So, of course, they're pass rushing and leaving it wide open and Gio was able to just hit the open field and have a blocker in front of him. I think that's a great play. I think that's something we should integrate more into our offense. I mean, I would feel remiss if I didn't come on here and say that Jonah Williams had a bad game because I feel like I've come on here and I say he's he's been great. He's had a good game. He might have given up a sack here, but that was the only time he got beat. He was getting beat a lot. To me, it's really just his first real bad performance. I guess you could argue week one wasn't great. But that was against Joey Bosa, so a little leniency there compared... I think Leonard Williams is a pretty good player, but Joey Bosa, to me, is a top-three defensive end. I have seen around some Bengals fans say, like, this is why he was supposed to be a guard. He should be the right tackle. That's his natural position. He was great before this. One game isn't going to make me throw him him away. Are we really... Burroughs had a bad game, too, and (laughs) there's nobody that's going to see everything else he's done and say... I don't know about this guy. This wasn't even his hardest opponent. He shut down Chase Young two weeks ago. So we'll see how he responds this week because Miami is going to test our offensive line mentally. Brian Flores is a really, really good defensive mind. And he's a lot like uh, the Ravens' Wink Martindale where, I don't know, creative pass rushes to get a free rusher is really what I've seen from him this year. Sometimes they have one down lineman and then five or six guys standing up running right in front of the offensive line. You don't know who's coming. And that's that's really creative stuff that I like. I think that's been around for a while. But whenever a team's able to run that effectively, and I mean, it's great to watch. won't be great for us if they get a bunch of free rushes, but I like watching it as a neutral fan. And they have some great cornerbacks to be able to do that too. Xavier Howard. He might lead the league in interceptions, and more than that, he really takes away a team's number one option if they want him to. And Byron Jones is a number two. is just He's a good number one. So having two good number one corners on their team really opens things up for them. Offensively for the Dolphins, their running backs have been a question all year, but I don't think it's been that big of a problem for them. And they even traded for Matt Breida. They signed Jordan Howard, then cut him. They're not really using Breida. They've been u- they have been used Ahmed for a little bit, but he got hurt. I'm not sure if he'll be back. I think Miles Gaskin's about ready to return from IR, either this week or next week. But even he, I mean, they're not game changers, really. I thought Breida might have been able to be one of them. you guys remember last year he had that one run against us where he made like seven guys miss and went for felt like a 50-yard gain for a touchdown, I think, back when he was with the 49ers. So I'm not overly worried about their run game, but I, I would be worried about, since I think Fitzpatrick's going to play, I think on offense, he just has such a good connection with Devontae Parker. They had, what, like 9-10 completions last week, again, and that's against the Jets, and we're, I would think we're a little bit better of a pass defense than them, but... <laughs> It's still something to worry about. Last year, he hit Parker for a whole bunch of yards. That was with William Jackson on Parker. So that's our best cornerback against him, and he was still winning. I mean, last year, he also beat the Defensive Player of the Year in Gilmore in Week 17. So I think he can really turn it on sometimes. That's somebody I'd be worried about. Their offensive line's better than last year, and we didn't, other than a few dunlap lap rushes and a couple loss and rushes, we didn't get that much pressure on them last year sounds like the same story I've been saying all year where I don't think we're going to get much pressure and we'll see what uh, Lou's able to scheme up to maybe get some pressure but he hasn't been effective in that all year so I don't have high expectations for it I would be worried about Mike Gesicki I know he hasn't been great this year but he's an athlete at tight end just like Evan Ingram is and we saw Evan Ingram has been up and down this year but he was certainly good last week other than that fumble which was really just an amazing play from Von Bell. I don't know if I've ever seen that. So I would be worried about Mike Gesicki and the way our our scheme works defensively. He's going to get some one-on-ones with. He's probably going to get some one-on-ones with Von Bell. What I think is interesting that we do is that we're one of the few teams. Some people bring on like one linebacker for third downs. We almost play like a linebacker by committee. Where early downs we have these guys and then for passing downs we have these guys. I think we've all noticed that, but it's an interesting thing to talk about that we've completely removed the early down guys in favor of the pass pass down guys. If we're going to be a man-to-man coverage. I think I'd want Brandon Wilson on him over Vonville. At least try it out, maybe. We brought him in a little bit more this week than we have before. I know you uh, really like Brandon Wilson, so <laughs> I think you'll be happy to hear. I want him on defensive snaps, too.
1: Yes, yeah, Sans, that's what I was saying. I was going to ask you because, you know, you're a strategic expert. I was going to say, how how do we solve these fast tight ends? You know, Von Bell, that's not his forte. The linebackers, although Logan Wilson's fast, he's not fast enough to cover guys like that. So, I mean, maybe you bring in the right answer with, with Brandon Wilson in that regard. I mean, you're right, he's not going to get beat deep because he does have the speed for that.
3: Yeah, and while I think Gasicki's a good, a very good athlete, Evan Ingram's a freak athlete that guy runs a four four two. 4 that's faster than any of our wide receivers other than john ross who he's not really playing for us i mean he got injured so i feel bad for him but he's been bent since what week two yusiki is more just a very good athlete if Brandon wilson doesn't work i the one thing i don't really want to do and i think some Bengals fans do want to do is to put jesse bates on the tight end to me, that just takes away what Jesse does well. Like I've already talked about, he's a very good center field, deep middle of the field safety, and that's so valuable. To just put him onto a tight end, and now who's deep middle of the field? I guess it could be Brandon Wilson, it could be Von Bell, but that's not as good. Where if you see Jesse Bates on the tight end, I mean, if you're the quarterback, you just say, okay, I'm not throwing to him. So taking away one tight end versus having somebody play middle of the field help and be able to put out any fires that are going on from players being beat, I would take the deep safety help instead.
1: Sands, excellent analysis as always. How do people find you on social media?
3: You can find me at bangles underscore sands on both Twitter and Instagram.
1: Well, all right, man. It was good talking to you again.
3: Uh, it's great talking to you. I'll see you next week. Handicapper's
2: Corner The unofficial Bengals podcast current record is 13 wins,
0: 18 losses, 41%.
1: All right, so here are my three picks for this week. I never like to bet on the Bengals, but they're getting 11.5 at Miami, and that's just a lot. That's so disrespectful that I'm going to take the Bengals this week. I'm going to take the Titans to win by between 1 and 13 over the Browns, and I'm going to take the Vikings versus the Jaguars under 52.5. So those are my picks for this week. I wish you luck on whatever games you choose, unless you're picking the Dolphins.
0: McLeavy Minute.
1: All right, we're here with Tom McLeavy. Tom, how are you today?
0: Good, Frank. How you doing, pal?
1: All right, my friend. So what's your opinion on the Giants game and all things Bengals at this point?
0: You know, the Bengals play pretty, pretty good, you know, for having Brandon Allen off the practice squad to sort that game especially the first half, uh, you know, Allen wasn't doing anything special. And it just, you know, dawns on me that you mean to tell me Finley couldn't do what Brandon Allen was doing? That once again tells you that they drafted Finley a couple years ago in the fourth round, and they felt comfortable taking the guy off the practice squad who had... Only like one or two days to throw to the starting wide receivers. Once again, you shake your head and say, this franchise is so upside down compared to other teams in the NFL. Brandon Wilson, once again, he should be an all-pro. But we'll see how being on the Bengals will, you know, screw him out of that because that happens a lot in the past that guys... Who were good at their position, but because they played on the Bengals, they were overlooked. It's amazing how this guy is doing it. it tells you a lot of the special teams of the Bengals. that coach is doing a, a once again a, a fabulous job. The Bengals are who they are. You know they have great wideouts, but you don't have a quarterback to get them the ball. If Joe Burrow was playing that game, I really feel confident in saying that they would have beaten the Giants. But at this point, as much as we love the Bengals, it's better for the future if they lose all the games because then they can stay at that number three pick for next year's draft and get that uh, offensive lineman, hopefully. But those guys are professionals. They're there to win games. So, you know, you can't blame them if they are getting close to pulling an upset uh, to win a game. But like we said in the past, this stretch is, was a very winnable stretch for the Bengals. But now with what they have at quarterback, doesn't look good. The offensive line needs addressing in this off season. You know, they go to Miami this week. Their defense is playing exceptionally well. I guess Brandon Allen will start again. So, you know, we'll see. I assume they're holding Joe Mixon out the rest of the year, which is smart. Don't increase the the foot injury anymore. You know, you like to see him competitive, no blowout. So, you know, the defense, once again, will hopefully stand up a little bit and give two a little uh, fronts that will confuse them. But like the Giant game, they didn't even sniff Daniel Jones or even a backup. Uh, so like we said, previous podcasts, this team has a lot of holes. But to see Mike Brown spend money again this offseason is going to be uh, very interesting.
1: That'll do it for this episode. Next episode is going to be entirely dedicated to reviewing the Bengals-Dolphins game. I'd like to thank At Bengals Highlights on Instagram, the best page out there. Really cool highlights, really cool music, definitely something you should check out. And I'd also like to thank the Zedia Network, the network responsible for bringing you the Unofficial Bengals podcast. You can find them at Zedia Network on Instagram or Twitter. And Zedia is just like the word media, only with a Z. Thank you for listening to the Unofficial Bengals podcast. This is your host, Frank LaPlaca, and I'm a Bengals fan for life.
0: The Unofficial Bengals podcast.